Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, as we were discussing what you were going to present today, you said there's a bunch of real old stuff in the news. (laughs) By that, I assume you're probably talking about what evolutionists are reporting. That's it, Scott. For example, a 220 million year old dinosaur was discovered by a little girl in Wales. Mm. And geologists have found that the Earth has a 27.5 million year heartbeat, but we don't know what causes it. A heartbeat. Well, they mean a 27 and a half million year cycle of global disasters. Ah. It's a fascinating proposal. And if you toss out all the dating techniques they use, their findings certainly point to some global catastrophe. Hmm, a global flood, maybe? (laughs) That would be my answer. But we're not going to have time to consider those findings in today's program. What I want to talk about is the discovery of a human skull in China that has the anthropologists that study human evolution all excited. The findings were published in several media outlets, and I decided we'd use the BBC report. The article we'll be reading from is titled, Scientists Hail Stunning Dragon Man Discovery. It's by Palab Ghosh, science correspondent for BBC.com, and it was published on June 25, 2021. The article begins, Chinese researchers have unveiled an ancient skull that could belong to a completely new species of human. The skull is huge, with a brain size about the same as the average for our species. The team has claimed it is our closest evolutionary relative among known species of ancient human, such as Neanderthals and Homo erectus. Nicknamed Dragon Man, the specimen represents a human group that lived in East Asia at least, are you ready, Scott? Yes. 146,000 years ago. 146,000 years ago. So how can they determine that? Well, Scott, the researchers said they used geochemical techniques, which I think means they analyzed chemicals in the fossil, compared them with chemicals in various strata in the area where they assume the fossil came from. Then, based on dating techniques of those strata, they came up with 146,000 years. Well, I guess there's no reason to question any of that. (laughs) Yes, it seems pretty standard procedure within the human evolution circles for someone to establish a date, and it just becomes quote-unquote fact in the literature, until the date needs to be altered to fit some other discoveries down the road. Anyway, reading more from the article, the analysis of the skull has been published in the journal The Innovation, One of the UK's leading experts in human evolution, Professor Chris Stringer from London's Natural History Museum, was a member of the research team. Stringer told BBC News, quote, In terms of fossils in the last million years, this is one of the most important yet discovered. Where have we heard that before? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Well, he goes on, What you have here is a separate branch of humanity that is not on its way to becoming Homo sapiens, our species, but represents a long separate lineage which evolved in the region for several hundred thousand years and eventually went extinct, unquote. The researchers say the discovery has the potential to rewrite the story of human evolution. You know, that's a book that's been rewritten many, many times. (laughs) Over and over. So anyway, they have assigned the specimen to a new species, Homo longi, 
from the Chinese word long, meaning dragon. We found our long-lost sister lineage, said Zijun Ni, a professor at the Chinese Academy of Sciences. I could not believe that it was so well-preserved. You can see all the details. It is really an amazing find. The skull is huge compared with the average skulls belonging to other human species. Dragon Man had large, almost square eye sockets, thick brow ridges, a wide mouth, and oversized teeth. It has a mosaic combination of primitive and more modern features, setting itself apart from all the other species of human. The scientists believe that Dragon Man was powerfully built and rugged, but little is known about how he lived because his skull was removed from the site in which it was found. So what they're saying is if they knew where the skull came from, they could determine how he lived, all by just studying the skull. And I thought they did know where it came from because they used, what was it, geochemical techniques to date it? Well, Scott, I know anthropologists are notorious for figuring out all manner of lifestyles of the humans and their supposed ancestors simply by studying a tooth or a foot bone combined with estimations of the habitat the artifacts were found in. But as for the misunderstanding about where the skull actually came from, well, it has a very interesting story associated with it. Since this, I assume, very valuable fossil comes out of China, I am not surprised it has a very interesting story behind it. As I recall, lots of fakes have come out of China. Yes, they have. But the reports to correct the misinformation seldom get heard after all the fanfare of the initial untrue discovery is made. So here's the interesting story. The skull was reportedly discovered in 1933 by a construction worker helping to build a bridge on the Song Hu River, which translated means Black Dragon River, hence the new human fossil's name, Dragon Man. The city was under Japanese occupation at the time. Suspecting its cultural value, the Chinese worker smuggled it home, and he hid it at the bottom of his family's well, where it remained for around 80 years. Then the man told his family about the skull before he died, which is how it eventually got into the hands of scientists. Ah, a deathbed confession. Those are always 100% trustworthy. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they got a recording. <laughs> but there's no denying they seem to have an interesting fossil of a human skull. The thing is, Dragon Man joins a number of early human remains uncovered in China that have proven difficult to categorize. There has been a fierce debate about whether these remains represent primitive examples of Homo sapiens, Neanderthals, a human group called the Denisovans, I hope I pronounced that correctly, or something else entirely. An example of the differences of opinion on how to categorize the Dragon Man specimen comes from Professor John Hawks, a paleoanthropologist at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Dr. Scripture, what is a paleoanthropologist? A person who studies fossils to figure out the natural history of man. So, in a quote from a June 25th article in TheGuardian.com titled, Massive Human Head in Chinese Well Forces Scientists to Rethink Evolution, Hawks said, quote, I think it's a bad moment in science to be naming new species among these large-brained humans that all interbred with each other. What we are repeatedly finding is that the differences in looks didn't mean much to these ancient people when it comes to breeding, unquote. 
So according to Hawks, the idea of a new lineage of humans was a provocative claim because skulls can look similar even among distant relatives. But the Chinese researchers maintain that the hard-to-classify fossils from East Asia represent the gradual evolution of a new species. Professor Nye has a gracious response to those that disagree with this assessment. Quote, the results will spark a lot of debate, and I am quite sure that a lot of people will disagree with us. But that is science, and it is because we disagree that science progresses, unquote. So, this newly found dragon man skull has a myriad of questions surrounding it, not the least of which is, is it even genuine? However, it seems that, again, if we simply dismiss the ages they come up with that are based on dating techniques that we know are totally unreliable, another people group of human beings may have been found in what is called today China. It's not at all surprising that we continue to find representatives of different people groups in the fossil record, and it's not surprising that they all have features that are like people today. They're all members of the human family, descended from Adam and Eve, and then Noah's three sons and their wives. No matter how the evolutionists want to spin the time frames or their ancestral relationships. But Scott, I want to go back to what the Chinese professor Nye said about how science progresses. He said, people will disagree with us, but that is science, and it is because we disagree that science progresses. Well, that is actually an accurate statement, but only to a point, because not everyone who disagrees is listened to by the mainstream scientific community, which is staunchly evolutionary. If a scientist who is determined to be a creationist offers an argument that disagrees with some evolutionary proposal, that argument, that data, that interpretation of the evidence is deemed as non-scientific. It's not evaluated based on the merits of what is being presented. It's simply dismissed, and not only not taken seriously, it's roundly denigrated as mere religious belief. Which is a very neat way of not having to actually grapple with contradictory evidence. Just call the messengers names and ridicule their IQ or education, and you can justify not paying attention to what they're saying because it would just be a waste of time. And it works, Scott. But the truth doesn't change just because it is criticized. And truth has a way of revealing itself. I think especially relevant with respect to that principle is the mounting biological evidence from soft dinosaur tissue and genetic research that demonstrates the fallacy of the ages being assigned to organisms in the fossil record. But there are other scientific disciplines in which the evidence is also mounting. Recently, Answers in Genesis reported some important research by a creation geologist supporting a young Earth. A scientist with the highest credentials, Dr. Snelling, spent more than four years studying layers in the walls of Grand Canyon in Arizona, especially where those rock layers are not lying flat, but are folded. Have you ever seen those layers, Scott, that are just like waves of an ocean? Yeah, yeah. But it's stone. Well, Dr. Snelling, a creationist, has just released his stunning findings in the peer-reviewed Answers Research Journal. His research helps confirm a rapid formation of those massive canyon layers and contradicts the belief that they were formed over millions of years ago, as is commonly accepted by geologists. His in-depth paper can be found at AnswersInGenesis.org. And on that website, if you just search for Dr. Snelling's name, the article will surely come up. 
but it was a three-year battle just to get the permits to do his studies in the Grand Canyon. The evolutionist story about the formation of Grand Canyon is that the rock layers at the canyon were laid down over very long ages. Then the canyon was carved through them over millions of years by the slow, erosive powers of the Colorado River. Because of their dogmatic thinking, officials and academics associated with the Grand Canyon National Park tried to prevent Dr. Snelling from conducting his study, expressing disdain in emails about his religious and creationist belief. But in 2017, international media reported that Dr. Snelling finally received the research permits he had first requested from the park in 2014 so that he could continue his fieldwork inside the canyon. Being presented with the clear-cut documented evidence of an anti-Christian bias in the permits denial, Departments of Justice and the Department of the Interior agreed. The Grand Canyon National Park changed course and issued Dr. Snelling's research permits. So we see, science does progress through disagreement. But in the current evolutionary worldview climate, everyone's protests are not equally heard. But like I said before, the truth does not go away just because it's not accepted. Psalm 117 verse 1 says, Praise the Lord all nations, laud him all peoples. And then verse 2, For his loving kindness is great towards us, and the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. And that's not what I say, that's what Scripture says.